Hey, good morning. Good morning. I, I hope and pray that uh, you guys are doing amazing. Um, Got to apologize again to you guys online. Uh, Facebook Live is kind of messed up everything. I think they're just trying to make it harder and harder for churches like us to be able to go live so easily. They probably want some money out of the deal. Uh, so we have to go back to the pre-recording and then we'll post it. Uh, and that's what we're doing today. So I apologize for that. But um, bottom line is we're going to keep digging into the word no matter what happens with the technology stuff. Okay, we're not going to let that kind of interrupt us too much. It's part of life. We get it. But um, we're just going to press on. Okay. Uh, we're trying to love our city. I hope wherever you are, you're trying to love your city. We got some things coming up, uh, fishing and community yard sale, our Trunk or Tree Fall Festival kind of thing. Ladies are having an event. But, but here's where uh, we're at together. We're talking about being all in. All in with Jesus, all in with God, all in in our faith as we like walk in this world, as we live among people, as we live in this world. And uh, John is uh, saying some pretty tough things to us in this letter. First John, we're in First John, and uh, he's got some really difficult things to say. And we're chewing on those, and we're digesting those, and we're trying to um, uh, implement them into our life. That's what we're trying to do. Just not just to learn them and know them up here, but but get them into our hearts so they begin to affect our our actions in our life and that's what John is after more than anything else how many of you guys love Cracker Barrel uh, we've got Cracker Barrels all over the place here in the in the middle of the country here where we live um, well eastern part of the country I guess um, but Cracker Barrel is a, um, a, a great restaurant Trishy uh, works at Cracker Barrel uh, during the week part-time and uh, so I love to go to Cracker Barrel. I don't know what you like to eat at Cracker Barrel, but it doesn't matter what time of the day I go to Cracker Barrel, I'm eating breakfast. Uh, and it's gonna be the grandma special because it's a couple eggs and uh, uh, it's uh, hash browns, crispy as can be. Uh, it's um, um, sausage patties and I cut it all up, mix it all together and it is so good along with a couple pancakes with pecans in them. Oh my goodness, and the syrup, oh buddy. Here's the thing when it comes to breakfast at Cracker Barrel. The chicken donates the eggs. The pig is all in. <laughs> That's the difference, isn't it? You know, I know we've heard that before. I know that. But, but, but we're talking about being all in. All in. And, and the pig is all in, right? He gave his life for me to eat that sausage. The chicken made a deposit and I'm eating his eggs. We're talking about being all in, especially when it comes to love. John is so big on this topic of love. Jesus didn't come to just make a deposit. He didn't come to just make some donation to our cause or to leave a little love for us. He came and he gave his life for us. He gave everything for you and for me. His love is 100% pure 
and all in. And John is going to challenge his readers and you and me again today about our love. Like how deep is the Father's love? Well, the bigger question is, how deep is our love? So God is 100% for us. And, and how are we, uh, the question is then, how are we doing in this area of love? Like, how are we doing? Like, we know his love is complete and perfect and all about us. How are we doing in living in this love of his? It's a really big topic. I think it's probably one of the biggest challenges in the world is to live out the love of God. We can do it in part, but to do it completely is a very difficult thing to do. And I suspect that in some ways we're doing really well. In some ways, I, I bet we're doing fantastic. Like when we think about, when I think about my grandkids, oh my, the love is amazing. I, I can't love them anymore. My love is like 100%. I love them. I would lay down my life for them. When it comes to our, our marriages, our husbands, our wives, yeah, we're doing great. Well, maybe not perfect, but we're, we're up there. Maybe when it comes to our parents, we love them. You know, we don't always show that, but we love them more than anything else. When it even comes to our children, maybe we kind of drop down a little when it comes to our kids. You know, there's, there's probably a little fluctuation when it comes to our children. I'm joking. See, it's easy to love those who love us. It's not hard to love those people that are easy to love. But what about our enemies? What about our political opponents? What, what about those who hate what we love? See, what I'm guessing is that strong 75 to 80 to 85% of love, I'm doing really well with love, I, I suppose it, and believe that it probably drops to about 40% when we add in those who are not easy to love. I think we can all probably agree that we can all do better. We can all be better at love. That when we compare ourselves to the love of God, I have a lot of work to do. And it's not about working to earn salvation. It's about getting my flesh lined up with God, the one I claim to follow and love. That's what it's about. So John, John's been in this letter, he's been uh, in first John, he's been instructing his uh, readers in a number of ways, uh, lots of good truth in this letter. Uh, he's writing to Christians that are uh, meeting together in home churches. And, and the timing of this is much later. Remember, Jesus dies. Jesus ascends into heaven. The church is birthed uh, somewhere in the 35 AD uh, area, 30, 33 AD. And the church is birthed. And so now later on in about uh, uh, 95 AD, so some 40 years, 50 years later, John is going to write these letters to these Christians, instructing them uh, about 
the faith. Now, these are first-generation Christians and now some second-generation Christians. The church is just... The, the, those who were there when Jesus lived are still alive, many of them. But now they've had kids, and these kids are now growing up in the church. And so John is going to write and instruct them on some very important truths about Jesus and about the church and about God. But, but remember this. Remember the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, he visited these churches after they began he spent several years with these Christians in Ephesus, and Paul wrote around 54 AD a letter to the Ephesians, the same group of people or the churches that John is now writing to later on in around 95 AD, about 40 years later. Uh, and so Paul, what Paul does when he writes in 54 AD, which is just 30, 40 years after the church began, Paul writes concerning the purpose of the church. He talks about leadership and, and that the leadership is to equip God's people for works of service. He, he talks about salvation and our place in heaven. He talks about uh, one kingdom that all are welcome, whether you're Jew or Gentile. The door is open to all and God invites all people in. Paul talks about maturity in the faith and becoming mature and strong, not tossed by the wind or pulled in every direction. In Ephesians, Paul says these words in chapter 4, verse 1. He says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Similar to John in that, that Paul and John are both urging us to live up to what God has done for us. Paul says, I urge you to live your life in this world. How you interact, how you treat people, how you, what you say, the things you're part of, your habits, your behaviors, what you spend your money on and do your business with. He says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling. Because the calling that we have in Jesus is a high calling. It's a high bar to aim for. And Paul says, look, you're, you're in the flesh and you're living your life, but you keep trying to live your life. You keep trying to live your life in a way that is worthy of this calling. It's a, it's a high call. It's a, it's a high challenge. For us to live according to the truths of Jesus and the example of God that we have in our lives. So that's what Paul hits on. Now John, he hits hard on some contrasting things, some contrasting lessons. And we've gone through some of these in the first few chapters. Things like Christ and the Antichrist, light and darkness, Truth and falsehood, a righteousness and sin, a love of the Father versus love of the world, the Spirit of God and the Spirit of the Antichrist. He says there's two kinds of people. There are those who are God followers and there are those who are world followers. And so all of this information has gone to the Ephesians, the churches in Ephesus. And uh and they're, they're taking this in over the years, right? They're digesting this. They're, they're trying to put it into practice and live it out. In chapter 3, John says that God has poured out this great love that he's just lavished on us. 
And John says, greater is he that is in you, the Holy Spirit that has come to live in us, than us that lives in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I could take that two different ways. I think John means that, that the spirit of God in us is greater than us living in the world. And so he's going to help us overcome the things of this world. But also, I think what John is saying is the spirit of God that is in you is greater than the spirit that is living in the evil of the world. Greater is the one that has come to live in us. Either way, that is good news. Either way, both things are true. And we can claim both things, that God in us is going to give us the victory over the things of this world. And so in 1 John chapter 4, we, we, we kind of dug into these three verses last week. I want to just read them and move on. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. Test the spirits. See whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not from God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. I'm sorry. But every spirit that does not acknowledge that Jesus uh, has come is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and now, even now, is already in the world. All right, so we got that. We talked about that last week. We talk, talked about this idea that John says, test, test, or judge. Test the spirits. Be discerning on what you're listening to. Be discerning on what you're, you're putting into your heart and your life and your mind, whether it's uh, sermons or Bible studies or people or uh, musicians or lyrics or whatever it is be discerning of what you're allowing into your heart test the spirits if they are not from god then don't have anything to do with them just keep them away from yourself they're not going to do you any good but if those spirits acknowledge that jesus is from god and he has come in the flesh and he died on the cross and he rose in the flesh those are true spirits from god those are the spirits that the, the, the apostles preached about. It's the Holy Spirit that the apostles were carried by and preached uh, about and guided them in writing the scriptures, the Holy Spirit. Verses 4 to 6. You, dear children, are from God. And this is where we want to get into this today. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth from the spirit of falsehood. So stop right there. We're going we're gonna to dig into more of this chapter, uh, chapter 4 of 1 John, but but I, I want to just begin right here in verse 4. Look what he says. John says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. 
Again, John points to Jesus. Jesus is the one who is most worthy. It is all about Jesus and everything that we are and hope to be and all, all of the hope that we have of eternal life hinges completely on Jesus, on the person of Jesus, who is the greater one who is now in us by his Holy Spirit. He has come to live in us. He has made a way. Remember, Jesus said, I'm going to the Father, and if I go to the Father, I will ask the Father, he will send his Spirit, and his Spirit will come to dwell in us. And so now, by the power of the Holy Spirit and the authority of Jesus, the Holy Spirit now comes to dwell in us. Jesus is alive in us. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, that Holy Trinity is now living inside of us. He's saying it's all because of Jesus that we have hope and that we have grace and that we have life and that we have truth. It's all because of what Jesus has done. And we are more than blessed because Jesus came to this earth. And because Jesus has poured out his Holy Spirit. And because we now have a way to come into a relationship with God. And the Holy Spirit can come and live in us. See, this is, this is, this is supernatural power. This is a supernatural gift and ability. This is supernatural blessing and grace. This is God and God alone choosing to give to us something that we could never, ever, ever get on our own. This is why this is a free gift of grace. And this is why there is nothing that you and I could do to bring that to earth. God chose to give us his grace. And we now have an opportunity to respond to what God has given us. And that's the catch right there is how do we respond? Some have responded, some have ignored, some have heard and chosen to turn away and go a different direction. Some people want God's grace and love what God has done, and some people don't care at all about what God has done for us. But God has blessed us. And John points out here in, these, in this verse, verse 4, he points out a couple things, two things, uh, reasons that we are more than blessed. The first thing he says, this is what he says, you, dear children, are from God. He says, you are from God. Remember who's reading this. These are Christians who have given their life to Christ. They've already responded to Jesus. They've been immersed into Christ. Their sins are forgiven. And now Paul or John says to them, you now, because of your faith, because Christ is in you, you are now from God. You are God's. You are his. You have come to Jesus. You have received Christ Jesus as Lord. You've been born again. You've responded to grace. You've been washed of your sins. You've been brought back into a relationship with the Father, with the creator of the universe. He is now in you, and you are now in him. Now, he says, John, and what John is saying to us is, let him lead the way. Let him lead the way in your life. Let him help you overcome the things of this world. Let him lead you in his truth and in his word and by his spirit. 
Live your life focused on what God is doing through you and in you and, and what he wants to do with you and stop living, chasing after the things of the world. Be consumed with what God wants to do, not what you want to do in the world. Big difference in how we live in our lives, right? But in him, he leads the way. And outside of Jesus Christ, we are lost. But in Christ, he says, in Jesus, you are from God. The second thing he says is this, and you have overcome them. You have overcome them. In Jesus, and in Jesus alone, we have risen from the pit of sin. You are no longer a slave to sin. You are not bound by the world or the evil of this world any longer. You have overcome, and he says the word, them. You have overcome them. That's an interesting concept, that we have overcome something, not just anything, not just some invisible thing. We have overcome them, real threats that are in the world. We've overcome them because of Christ. He overcame, and now our attachment to Jesus allows us to be overcomers as well. The spirit of the world, we have overcome. The falsehoods of the Antichrist, we have overcome. The enemies of God, the rebellious spirits, the seducers, all their sneers and delusions in the world that we see and we hear about and we read about. John is saying, you have overcome them. You have victory over powerful things that are up against us as believers in God. But only in Christ have you overcome them. Only in Jesus can you do this because you cannot do this on your own. I cannot do this on my own. Only Jesus, that's what John is saying here, the great one, who is now in you has made you an overcomer, an overcomer. And so our connection and our holding on to Jesus is what makes us overcomers. We have overcome them. That's huge. That's huge because whatever in this world comes up against God and whatever in this world comes up against the truth, whatever comes up against uh the spirit of Christ, whatever comes up against the word of God, whatever comes up against God's church and God's people, all of God's connections have overcome them. Anything that comes up against us, that is powerful. That is so amazing. That is such good truth that we can live with confidence that we are overcomers because we are hanging on to Jesus. And as long as we hang on to Jesus, we're going to be just fine. That's the good news. Verses 5 uh, and 6, look what happens. He, he sums up some of this, John does. Look what he says. He says, they, remember them, now it's they, they are from, he says, the world. They, these antichrists, these false prophets, they are from the world, and therefore they speak they speak from the viewpoint of the world. This is cool. This is really cool because as Christians, 
We, we have placed our hope in Jesus. We have grabbed onto the word of God. And it is our, our worldview, what God says, what God is, how he created things, all that the scriptures teach us. That is our worldview. Our worldview comes from God. But not so with everyone. These people, their viewpoint is from the world. And the world, he says, listens to them. There truly is an us and a them in the world. There are only two kinds of people is what John has been saying all along. And now he kind of points that out even more. They, they, they're not with us. They're not following God. They don't love the things of God. They are they. They are over there and they don't care about the things of truth. They are from the world. They're listening to the father of lies. They're listening to the one who is in rebellion against the creator of the world. And they speak from a worldly viewpoint. What an accurate description. If you just think about this, what an accurate description of our world right now. Like you can, it's, it's become very evident and, and louder than ever that the world is coming from a totally different viewpoint than God, the creator of the universe. They have their own thing going on. They have their own agenda going on. They are following their own system of thinking and belief. The lies, the falsehood, the power plays that we see in this world. And like sheep, people just follow the crowd off the cliff. They just follow the lost. Blind guides. Jesus said blind guides. The blind leading the blind. That's what we, we have here. We have people who are living without God. They, are, they have been blinded by the, the spirit of the evil one. And they are following their own heart desires and their own worldly agendas into the abyss of hell. And many people are following right after their footsteps. Like sheep. Notice he says viewpoint. Their worldview, their viewpoint, their worldview is from the world. This, the perspective in which they see everything, in which they do their dealings and their motives and, and, and how they do business and how they treat people and what they think of human life and what they think of marriage and what they think of the, what God has created good and right and true of one man and one woman married together. And all these things that we see them attacking is because they are of the viewpoint, not of God, but of the world. The viewpoint is their foundational system of everything that they believe, and it directs their viewpoint about everything in the world. It is not founded on God. It is not founded in the scriptures. It is not founded in Jesus. Its very core is, follow, is, is found, founded the very core of their viewpoint is founded in a rebellion against God. That's where it is coming from, the evil one. It's founded not on the scriptures. John says, they are from the world. And then he says, verse 6, we, as he sums up what he's been saying we are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. 
But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. It's pretty clear, isn't it? Who people are listening to is what matters most. Are they listening to God and the things of God? Or are they listening to the things of the world and following the ways of the world? Which are people, where are they coming from? Be discerning. Like he already said, test these things out. Like be aware of what you're listening to, what you're putting in your mind, in your heart, because it's going to affect your life. He says they're not from God. This is how we recognize. This is how we can judge or test or understand the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. John lays it out for us very, very clear. He says we, when he says we, he's talking about those who walk with Jesus, right? Those who walk in God, those who hold firmly to the truths of God. Those who we talked about last week who don't judge what people are doing, but they let God's truth do the judging. God's truth, we're gonna just simply stand on the truth of God, and we're not gonna be afraid to speak the truth in love of God, but we're gonna do it in love, but we're not gonna be afraid to speak the truth. We are not gonna be silenced by the evil one in this world who would love for Christians to just be quiet and go away. The world will wander from God. The world is, is determined to entice and attempt and allure souls away from the Lord. The rebellion of the evil one is alive and well. But we hold to the teachings of Jesus, the truths that have been delivered to us through God's holy prophets and his apostles. And because we are wrapped up and tied up and tangled up in Jesus. We have overcome. Because of what Jesus has done and because of our connection now to God and to the things of God and to the truths of God, we have overcome. And that is such good news. Uh, John is going to move on to verse 7. I want to share this for last verse with you, and we're going to wrap it up right here. Verse 7, he says, Dear friends, let us love one another. Now, we can't avoid the context in which John is saying all this. He's just got done talking about the fact that we are overcomers in Christ, that, that there's antichrist, there's false pride. All this stuff is going on in the world. And in the midst of all this evil, John says, dear friends, let us love one another because this, this mark of love from God is what makes us different from the world. The power of God's love is what changes a soul and brings a person from darkness into the light, from eternal hell and damnation to eternal life and hope. God's love. And so <clears throat> John is trying to say to us, if you're a believer, and that's what he's going to get at in his, if you're a believer in Jesus, like you're a true follower of Christ, then there is one particular thing that will set you apart. There is something that will come out of your life that will show the world 
and be an, uh, a demonstration to the church and evidence to God that you belong to him and that is love. That is this thing he says, love. John's going to sum up a lot of what he's been saying. And it comes down to love. This is the message of Jesus, right? Love. It is all about God's love from the beginning of time in the Old Testament. God's interaction with his people. How he pruned them. How he always saved a remnant. Yes, he brought destruction, but he always saved a people for himself a people of the planet, even though we rebelled against God, love has always been the motivation of what God has been doing in preserving us as a human race. Like if I said, sum up all of uh, what you think about in Jesus' coming to the earth, him leaving heaven, him coming, to the, coming here and teaching us the ways of God, the one word that you could use to sum it up is the word love. Like love sums up all that Jesus did by coming. If I said, well, um, if, if you sum up what Jesus did for us on the cross and, and him being our atonement and him paying the price for our ransom and he rescues us and his sin, his blood covers our sin and in him we have grace and forgiveness. The one word that sums all that up is love. Or, or, or what he wants of us, like in a personal relationship with us. He wants to have this with us. This, like we, we talk with him and we spend time with him and he, he walks with us and he talks with us and he teaches us his ways. Sum it all up, one word, and the word is love. Or how he wants to maybe use us in the world to reach other people because they're lost. The one word that sums it all up is this word love. See, it seems that in the modern church that we live in, on this planet, in this country, it seems like we, we major in minors. And while we're majoring in the minors, the most important truth of God kind of gets put on a back burner. It gets ignored. We know it's important and we know we should do it and we know it's what God gave us, but we would rather spend our time talking about and thinking about and doing other things. Other things. Because, because I believe it's because of this, because God's love is not easy. We look at what he did for us and we think we, we can never do that. I can't live up to that. It's so hard. God's love is by far the greatest challenge of all. There is nothing harder on the planet, nothing, than to love the way God loves in all of his purity and holiness and righteousness. Everything that makes up his lavished love, his light and his truth, his grace and his forgiveness, his mercy, his patience, the death of Jesus on a cross, his resurrection, the incarnation itself. It all shouts, God loves you. God loves us. 
And I believe what John is saying to us is this. If you are an overcomer, if we claim to be overcomers because we've surrendered to Jesus, we've responded to his grace, we have come into this relationship with him, and he is now living in us. If we are an overcomer and Jesus' power is living in us and we've surrendered our will to him, really, then we would go and we would love just like Jesus does. Oh, how hard and difficult that is. Let me close with this. The love of Jesus reveals everything. It reveals everything, this love of Jesus. It reveals everything. Everything in our life, the evidence of, of God coming to this earth is his son, Jesus, and his love that he has for us. The evidence of God is, is love, and the evidence of God in us is love, right? If God truly is alive and working in us, then the outcome of how we live should be love. And so the verdict is already in. Love is the way of God. Perfect and pure love. That is the way of God. That is what we respond to. His grace and his great love for us that is pure and holy and 100% for us. And then God wants us to walk in that love. To live out that love. And that love reveals everything. It just reveals everything. It reveals his great love for us. That how much how deep his love is for you and me, that he would send his only son to die on a cross, that reveals the heart and the love of God and what that looks like and how that impacts us. Love also reveals my own heart and the lack of love therein. In the battle zone, our love is tested. In the battle zone of life, our love is tested, and this is what John has been saying throughout this letter. False prophets, antichrists, the lies of the evil one, the flesh, the spirit of the world, are all coming up against God and God's people and his church. The attack is on, and it's vicious, and it's evil, and it's full of hate, Toward the things of God. The perfect love, the perfect love of God is the surest test. The perfect love is the surest test of God's love for you and your love for Him. It's the test of who we belong to. If we walk in this love, then we are from God. And if we do not walk in this love, then we are not from God. It's a perfect test of our love. And not just in loving those who love us back. And not just in loving those who are easy to love. But in loving those who don't. In loving those who don't love us back. This is the test of our love. 
Oh man, what a challenge, huh? What a great challenge. And we're going to kind of see more of this in these next few verses, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 in this chapter. And we're going to get to those next week. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we pray that you would help us to be more perfect in our love for people. The ones that are easy to love and the ones that are not. God, we want to be used in a mighty way in this world for you. Help us to see just how powerful this, this one truth of love can be in the world. Songs have been written about it. People talk about it. Books written about it. Most of which from a worldly perspective. But people, people know that love is important. Help us as your people. Help us as your church to demonstrate in the world what true love really is all about. As we follow you and your example of love for the world and for us. God, help us. To love like you love. And we love you and give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, you have a great week and we will see you next time. Go Bills. Peace.